Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I'm Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Catherine Young from Worldline Global join us. Catherine, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Oh, thank you, Shana. I'm so excited to be here. So my name is Catherine Young, as introduced already, and I am the Director of Sales Enablement in Worldline, and I work for a particular go-to-market division. So I'm very close to the front line, and I'm helping the salespeople sell by the usual sales enablement tricks of sorting out the content, the data, the training, the communications, the CRM, the whole gamut. It's a really fun place to be. I've been in sales enablement since 2014 when I joined Xerox and I was a global sales enablement lead there. Uh, And that was a bit more of an HQ role. So it's fun to come back to the front line. But the other interesting thing is in my whole career, I've realized I have always operated at that interface between technology and humans. And so that's been the theme that's run through my career. Well, I'm very excited to have you join us today. Now, Catherine, I've known you for a while, and, and, and one of your areas of expertise is driving digital selling transformation. In your opinion, how has the digital selling evolved, especially in recent years, and why is it becoming increasingly important for sales organizations today? Yeah, I think digital selling has always been and continues to be about connecting with people learning about them, what matters to them, and helping them. And by doing that, you nurture your deep and strong relationships. And this continues even through the evolution. So so the sort of fundamental principles remain. But what is changing, I think, is seven or eight years ago, digital selling was a support to the face-to-face selling. It was used well by both business development representatives and account managers, but usually in in the interim between the face-to-face encounters. But of course, during the pandemic, uh, we didn't have that face-to-face bit. We only had the digital uh, engagement with prospects and customers and influencers. And now as we've left the pandemic and we're moving into a hybrid world, I think that digital selling has become equally important to the in-person selling. And I think one of the reasons it's becoming so is because digital first is the new normal. And we mean that in both the sense of the, you know, the younger generation who are coming through into the buying positions that, that are digital natives. So they're going to go digital first. But even the other generations, um, they all, everyone in the buying community uses the internet and social networks to educate themselves. And they they will gen up on everything to do with your products, uh, you, your company, your competition. And they do all this before they even want to have a sales conversation. So for salespeople to actually connect with buyers, they have to be online. So I think it's just the compulsion to be a digital seller has become greater than it ever was. But if they do that, then then the, the, the seller becomes a beacon by sharing their knowledge, guiding their buyers and creating two-way conversations. And they will be successful in selling. So they can sort of emulate some of that face-to-face stuff that they used to do uh, using digital selling techniques. 
Um, and I, there's a wonderful statistic that's, that floats around in the sales enablement world about the fact that 74% of buyers choose a company that first adds value. So it's increasingly important for our salespeople to be online in these digital spaces, being engaging and helpful because that's where they're going to add the value and therefore they will get the sale a bit further down the line. And then if we don't, then it's simple. One of your competitors will come along and sweep the buyer off their feet. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And you touched on this a little bit in that response, but from your perspective, how are buyer expectations shifting alongside the digital selling transformation? It's so interesting because this has been talked about for a while in our space, but I think we have to come back to the fundamental reason, which is think about what you experience in your personal life, in your day-to-day lives. We've got on-demand TV. We've got hyper-personalized news feeds in our social platforms, recommendations in every website we visit, and even adverts. We can get the answer to any question you can imagine just with a few chosen words typed into the right place. And then more recently, we've got things like the rise of the same hour delivery of groceries if you live in cities. I mean, within an hour, you can get what you need to your door at a click of a button. And then things like, I mean, I was uh, doing some uh, sightseeing recently and and just reminding myself that I've got in the palm of my hand uh, a personal guide to the city. Somebody's telling me where to go, which roads to take, which turnings to take, and it's giving me information about the city as I'm walking around. These are all things that have become intrinsic in our experience of the world. But we sometimes as B2B professionals or B2C professionals, but in the business world, we, we sometimes forget uh, that that the people we're selling to are still the same people who, who have access to, to those great features, functionalities and experiences. For me, it's how the, the buyer's expectations are, are shifting towards this sort of this this speed and this personalization and this digital and, and everything in the palm of their hands. And so we have to try and be there uh, in, in our selling capacity doing the same. And then we can. I mean, we can be present. We can be digital. We can be personalized in, in the experiences we deliver, answer questions, you know, be there, be the guide, be relevant. And that's what digital selling is to me. And what would you say digital selling looks like today? And how can enablement really effectively prepare reps for this type of environment? Yeah, I think if we go back to thinking about those expectations of the buyers, then then we can certainly talk about what digital selling should look like. So uh, to answer the question more directly, the good proponents of this are doing what I'm about to say, and then the rest of us can, can perhaps catch up. But think about this, this on-demand expectation. Well, we can't as human beings be on-demand 24-7. So then we have to think about other ways of achieving that. So what about asynchronous methods of communication, you know, like personalized video messages? In fact, what I like about something like giving the buyer a message through a video means that they consume the information when it suits them best, not necessarily when it suits you best. 
But I love the fact that they can stop, rewind, speed up, whatever suits their circumstances. And what's fascinating about this is that's actually something that's only possible with video, not even possible in real life. So maybe that's even better than a live meeting if we believe that the buyer should be the one who's in control of the experience. And then talking about providing answers to questions, well, that's really easy for social sellers to achieve on social platforms. And they do it in two ways. You can do it by sharing your knowledge, sort of broadcasting it out out there, the one-to-many, so that you are, again, I used the word beacon earlier, you know, you're, you're, you're this beacon of knowledge and helpfulness that people will be attracted to. But also by responding to queries, people do ask questions on social platforms. They do seek help, advice and, and recommendations. So the secret for uh, a successful social uh, or digital seller is to be there to be there to hear that those questions are being asked and then be able to answer them. The same hour delivery. I mean, initially you just think, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's never going to happen in the B2B world. So, okay, I'm not asking for a salesperson to be on your doorstep within one hour. But what about thinking about providing your buyers with a more of a self-service or self-directed experience? So you're allowing them to get to the information they want when they want it. I mean, you couldn't really be more immediate in your delivery than that, I'd say. And then the salespeople, good salespeople have always been the trusted guide, the one that helps the buyer navigate their complex or unfamiliar environments. And and I just see that just like that mobile phone guiding me around the foreign city. Um, Not only are you helping me make decisions at each junction, along the way, you'll give me those tips and recommendations that further enhance my experience. And of course, we can and should personalize the content we deliver to our buyers to get that hyper relevancy that they expect and and to be frank they deserve so so digital selling looks like these things to me you know it looks like using the the platforms the tools the content in 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 a more agile way in a more way that can be repackaged to personalize the journeys for the the buyers and to give you know the what they need when they need it and sales enablement is basically there to support all of that so so we we look at the platforms the content the data the training the processes so all of those things need to be aligned to help the salesperson operate in this digitally agile way and then the salesperson is enabled to deliver the experience the buyer wants and therefore the buyer gets a great experience and that to me actually encapsulates what sales enablement is absolutely now as there is this shift to digital selling you know obviously that adds in a, a bit of a layer of complexity for for sales reps from your point of view how can enablement help reduce friction for reps, especially as they navigate transformation in the sales landscape? I've thought about answering this in many different ways because to me, almost my raison d'etre is to reduce friction. So it comes in many different forms. It, it comes in in my day-to-day activity in supporting the salespeople, but also in what I do to push back into the organization to improve the way that the organization interfaces with sales. 
But I think it's sort of summarized by sales enablers see the big picture. They join the dots and they orchestrate and they orchestrate all of the different elements that impact upon the seller's ability to do their job and to do their job well. You know, in other words, we help salespeople sell. So when we talk about removing the friction, I think it's a lot to do with that orchestration or coordination, working with other departments to deliver things in an organized way, in a structured way, so that the salesperson isn't bombarded by many different voices and many different messages. Perhaps we we start by coordinating it. And that can be really simple things like setting up a training academy that has set dates and times for any sales training and having a calendar that if you want to go and deliver training to the salespeople, you come and fit into the next available slot in the calendar. It's a really simple idea, but it really reduces the amount of tension um, that you can get between the sales teams and the other departments. In a similar way, emails, there's so many emails that get sent out there and everybody says, oh, you, you must know about this thing. And I'm, I'm going to send an email to hundreds of salespeople and dozens of departments are doing this every day and it gets very noisy. So another simple solution is to, to create a digest newsletter, put everything that they need to know in one place, but, but combine the messages from the product team, the operations team, marketing, even from sales leadership, so that it becomes an easy to read missive and one that you can go back to as well. And then sales enablers are, are working on the big projects that help to reduce the friction. Um, so a sales enablement platform integrated into the CRM becomes the single focus point for the salespeople. And so not only does that remove so much wasted time, it it makes things quicker and easier, i.e. reduces friction, which improves the sales experience. And therefore that translates to improving the buyer's experience. And then, you know, one final point of friction that I'm enjoying dealing with in my current role is the relationship between sales and the wider company. And this is important because we all perform better if, if we are joined together in our objectives and we understand each other and what, what, what we all do. So you can start with data. You can't always get people to talk to people, but you can start pulling data from around the business and sharing it with one another. And, and that starts to help, for example, products to understand what's being sold even also things like where we lose sales, why are we losing those sales and feeding that back to the different teams, pricing, product, process, operations, why? Legal want to understand what is the role of an account manager or a business development manager because they're looking at contracts for a customer that the salesperson has sold a product to and they're just looking at words on a page unless they can start to understand what's going on in the sales world and vice versa. I mean, obvious things like sales need to be aware of, of the marketing campaigns that are going on and operations need to know how many new customers are going to come knocking on their door in the next few weeks or months so that they can resource up. And I think um, for me, what I've done is I've, I've, I've sort of taken a formula and, and if we can make improvements in each of the elements in that sum, then we get a better outcome. And, and the formula is visibility plus efficiency plus consistency equals repeatability 
and predictability. So what I mean by that is, you know, visibility comes back to this data point. Just get information out there and share it widely and, and share it with each other. And, and don't be siloed in, in who sees the data and be as transparent as you can, because that way lies understanding. Efficiency is reasonably obvious, and this is another area that we reduce friction, is, is looking at ways to improve processes, to improve collaborations and cross-departmental communication. Where, wherever you see something being inefficient, a sales enabler should step in and try and turn it into something that is efficient. So consistency is about creating that consistency so that you've got your processes, your, your structure, your content platform, whatever, but it's built in a consistent way so that it's, it's understandable and more importantly, it's scalable. And the equals repeatability and predictability. So if we can get all of this aligned, then we can create a world in which we know what's happening things like sales pipeline forecasting and like I said about operations knowing what customers are coming we can predict what's happening with confidence and the repeatability is the important if we want to scale if we want to bring new people on new hires or even expanding people's knowledge and understanding if we can do it in a consistent efficient visible way then we can get that repeatability so for me, this is where performance comes from, is, is nailing down that repeatability and predictability. And that's where if we've done that by reducing the friction. I think that's amazing. You wrote about in an article, so I want to shift gears a little bit, the three must-haves for sales enablement, which are sponsorship, empowerment, and resources. Particularly when it comes to driving change initiatives like digital selling transformation, how do these three factors influence the success of it? Well, these three elements are essential to have an effective sales enablement function, particularly a formal sales enablement function. And, and as enablers, we're, we're often operating with some, but not all of these. But if that's the case, what you tend to be delivering are random acts of enablement. And we all know in our hearts that random acts of enablement do not improve business results. And it's, it's been proven time and time again with the statistics that organisations that have a formal and structured and supported sales enablement function have higher win rates, higher quota attainment, quicker time to revenue, what quicker ramp up time, whatever your KPI is, because random just doesn't move the needle enough. It, it's just one one firework I talk about sometimes. It's just it's, it's pretty for a while, but then it all fades away. And then if we think about things like the fact that sales enablement is by its nature a cross collaboration function, then of course we can use our charm and our influence to persuade others that they should work with us. But this can be exhausting and it doesn't always work. So something like sponsorship, which was one of those three key elements, we need that to step in. So I'll give you an example. Um, I ran a campaign to drive up adoption of a sales tool um, a few years ago. And the first thing I did was engage the senior VP for sales. And once I got his advocacy, I was able to use his name and his photo um, and a quote from him in the launch email. And it said that he supported this initiative and that he expects everyone to sign up. 
So this is so much more motivating to the salespeople than receiving an email from me, who is an unknown from HQ. But more importantly for me, it motivated the sales directors and the sales managers because they knew their boss wanted this to happen. So it didn't rely on me going to them and saying, please, 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 will you help with this? Uh, It just had the boss's name at the end of the letter. So they made it a priority and they put the effort in to support the project. Now, I supported them to support the project. You know, that's what enablement is. But this was a key factor. And uh, through all of the different parts of the campaign, the success was that the adoption rates went up from 20% to 80% within six weeks. So these things are essential to influence the success of both individual initiatives like the adoption campaign and the overall business results like your win rates, quota attainment and time to revenue. This has been fantastic. Catherine, in closing, I have one last question for you. How do you think digital selling will continue to transform in the next year and beyond? And and how can enablement help organizations really stay ahead of these changes? Hmm. I think the first part can be answered quite easily, which is digital selling will become digital experience selling. So another statistic I found was that 89% of consumers buy based on their overall sales experience, regardless of price and functionality. And we know from our out of work lives that a great experience is what we seek. We don't just want functional or factual interactions. And and maybe it's because we've been through two years of being so removed from one another that we do crave that human element. Yet we also like hybrid working. We like the flexibility of online encounters because they're easier to arrange, less costly and take up less time. So we want human element, but we also quite like doing it from our own living rooms or, or dining rooms. So I think that means what you need to do in, in the digital selling world and is, is that you need to make your online encounters as good as your face-to-face encounters used to be. So that's what I mean about digital experience selling. So all the characteristics of digital selling remain that we talked about earlier, about connecting with people, listening and learning about them and helping and guiding them. But adding to that, providing a smooth, engaging effective digital experience of the buyers. So this is things like allowing them to self-discover information or maybe the salesperson helps guide them, you know, like from the palm of the hand and they explore those options together. But what's shifted is is that the buyer and seller are more side by side in this way of working rather than face to face. But I think it's important that the experience should be however the buyer prefers it to be. And where the sales enablers come in is it, it goes back to the basics. You know, it's providing the platforms that allow these experiences to be to be designed, built and, and consumed. I think we need to use the data to know and understand what is meaningful to the buyer so that we can continue to evolve those experiences. And we need to allow our content to be flexible because we, we tend to create content in quite a structured way, but it needs to be more snippets so that we can use the ingredients in different ways to create different outputs puts and that's what supports the the many different journeys and of course 
if we want our salespeople to operate in this new world, they need to be trained and coached and supported. But I think that's what's going to be so important over the coming year or two in sales enablement. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. I learned so much from you in this conversation today. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. You're most welcome. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.